Hi there, and thank you for joining us for this tiny expedition. We're a podcast about genetics, DNA, and inheritance from the Hudson Alpha Institute for Biotechnology. Today's little journey into tiny science starts with a legend. This folklore tells the story of how the zebra got its stripes. And it goes like this. When the earth was young and water scarce, a baboon lorded over the ponds and puddles. Sitting next to a mighty fire, he proclaimed himself a ruler. Thirsty and desperate, a zebra, which at the time was pure white, challenged the baboon. The two brawled like the world had never seen. The baboon rolled the zebra through the fire, and the logs left burn marks that would become the zebra's stripes. But in the end, the zebra kicked the baboon so hard that the primate landed high up on the rocks, directly on its hindquarters. And that is why baboons live at elevation and have bright red butts. Of course, over the years, scientists have worked through a few more theories about these traits. To talk about the zebra stripes in particular, we've got our expert in animal morphology, Dr. Greg Barsh. Glad to be here. My very first question is, are zebras white with black stripes or black with white stripes? An age-old question. David, what do you think? I think that they are white with black stripes just intuitively. When you look at one, that's what I think. I'm sorry, you're wrong. (laughs) It's actually, uh, zebras are black with white stripes. Okay, how do you know that? That's a great question. And the reason we know that is because some of the early work that we did on zebras was a collaboration with an owner uh, of a zebra. Uh, And we visited her once, and we asked her that exact same question. Are they black with white or white with black? And she said, well, they're definitely black with white. We asked her, how do you know? And then she said, well, you know, occasionally they hurt themselves. They, you know, have a wound on their skin, and I need to to sew it up or put a bandage on. Uh, And I shave them, and I can see that it's all black underneath. We said, wow, that's fascinating. And she said, well, in fact, do you want to see? And so she shaved a little bit of uh, skin off the zebra, and it was amazing. All the white went away. It was completely black. And it turns out, you know, subsequently, it turns out that if you look in the microscope at the skin, it turns out that the skin is completely black. And what makes the white stripes is it's just the white hair when it grows out of a zebra. It's got, uh, it doesn't doesn't have pigment in it like the uh, black hair that grows out. Okay, so scientists know zebras are black with white stripes, and that throws the baboon fight theory right out the window. They needed another explanation for zebra stripes, so they took a look around the animal kingdom. You know, one of the best ways to think about genetics is to think about relatives, right? And so it turns out that zebras have uh, lots of relatives, uh, including their most closely related relatives, which are other kinds of zebras. Uh, There's three main kinds of zebras— uh, called a grevy zebra, a plain zebra, and a mountain zebra. And uh, they all differ a little bit in their um, the number of stripes and the position of stripes uh, on the body. So if you were to look at the DNA sequence of a grevy zebra versus a plain zebra versus a mountain zebra, uh, you would see uh, lots and lots of DNA sequence differences, but some of those differences are responsible for the uh, difference in stripe number and the location of the stripes on the body between the different species of zebras. You can even look a little further out in the zebra family to horses, specifically what are called dun horses. Dun horses 
turn out to have uh, just a couple of stripes on the body. They've got like a dark stripe that goes right down the back. Uh, they often have a few little stripes on their legs and sometimes a few little stripes uh, around their uh, around their head and eyes. And so by following zebra stripes, we arrive at the most obvious difference between the modern domesticated horse and its relatives. Well, it turns out that uh, all of these, we call them equids, uh, they are all closely related to each other. They evolved from a last common ancestor about uh, five million years ago or so. And uh, that includes uh, not only zebras, but also donkeys and some of the wild asses uh, and, uh, and, of course, horses. Uh, and, and if you look across all of them, you see that most of those animals, like donkeys and the wild asses, uh, and in fact a relative of the modern horse called the Jawalski's horse, they all have a little bit of striping. It's really only the domesticated modern horse that doesn't have stripes, except for for the uh, the few, the small percentage of, of modern horses that have this dun color. So the vast majority of domesticated horses today do not have dun coloring, but their ancestors did. So how did horses lose their stripes? It could just be chance. It could just be that, you know, one day somebody said, I really like the way this looks, and it just just became popular. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if there's a particular reason or not. So why take a look at the dun striping? Why study that at the genetic level? Right. So uh, we were interested in studying dun striping because we thought it might tell us something about zebra stripes. Now, you might then turn it around and say, well, why should anyone care about zebra stripes? And zebra stripes and other types of periodic color patterns are an unsolved mystery in biology. We don't know the genes, the pathways, the cells, the molecules that give rise to that. And we're interested in solving those unsolved mysteries so we can learn more about basic aspects of biology. And that's why dun stripes or the dun pattern was of interest to us. Tell us a, a basic aspect of biology that we can learn from striping. Like what kind of benefit are we talking about when we talk about solving that genetic mystery? Well, that's, that's one of the uh, beautiful aspects of biology is when you start working on a problem, one of these unsolved mysteries, you don't know the answer, right? So I can't tell you uh, exactly what we will learn uh, until, we, until we learn it, but I can point to other examples in biology where by studying very basic things that were unsolved mysteries at the time, uh, scientists have uh, learned a tremendous amount about uh, things that are really important. So, so, for example, when fruit flies develop, there are stripes in the, in the little fruit fly embryos that are apparent. And by studying that, uh, scientists uh, learned about uh, really important uh, signaling pathways, growth factors, molecules, transcription factors, things that are the building blocks that are that are used in all cells and including all human cells and turn out to underscore uh, to, to underlie a large variety of what we know about biology and medicine today, including many diseases like cancer. With those stakes, let's get into horse stripes or lack of stripes. Either way, Dr. Barsh can help. So when you're looking at a dun horse, they've got stripes on their leg, and then they've got this dark stripe down their back, right? And so we talked about whether zebras are black with white stripes or white with black stripes, but what about dun horses? Are they light-colored with a dark stripe, or are they dark-colored with light relief? The dun horses are 
black with the most of their body being covered by uh, a very large white, uh, a very a very large light stripe. And by stripe, I mean that almost their entire body is lighter. So uh, you can think about the the dark stripe on the back of a dun horse being like a dark stripe on a zebra horse. And just as we said that zebras are black with white stripes, the dun horses would be black, but most of their body uh, has, uh, it's a little bit lighter. And sometimes it's brown, sometimes it's gray, uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's reddish. But, uh, but the, the, uh, the original, the base color, if you will, is the, uh, the dark stripe color. Just like we want to know what gives the zebra its stripes, we also want to know how the horse lost its stripe. Well, uh, during, during domestication, humans have selected for uh, lots of uh, different traits, including behavioral traits, including performance traits, uh, including morphological traits, uh, and of course morphological traits uh, includes color. Uh, and so certainly one of the things that you see really in all domesticated animals is that there is a wide variety of color diversity, color variation. Uh, and you see that in horses, pigs, cows, dogs, cats. Uh, and that diversity is something that has occurred, been selected for by humans during domestication. And so in most cases, the, uh, the new uh, or the, the apparently new uh, uh, color variants that one sees are derivative traits. What does that tell us about selection, that it looks like they've selected against the stripes? Sure. Uh, I guess uh, we don't really know what a ancestral uh, horse looked like, say, well, I don't know, maybe uh, between five and 10,000 years ago. We don't know exactly uh, you know, how many stripes it had, uh, but most people think that it probably looked like a close relative of the domestic horse today called the Jawalski's horse. Uh, and the Jawalski's horse does have this dark stripe down its back with a few paint stripe, few faint stripes on its legs. And, and so you would call the Jawalski's horse done. And you would say that uh, what's happened during domestication is that humans have selected uh, to have less striping. Or maybe you might turn it around and say, well, they've actually selected to have more striping because uh, what they've done is to take the light areas that were present in the Jawalski's horse, say, uh, and, and selected the dark area to cover the entire body, right? So it's almost like we're selecting against striping or, or we're selecting for the black stripe to cover the entire body. Basically, people saw the mutant horses, and for some reason or another, they chose to breed them over the traditional dun horse. Oh, okay, wait, one more clarification. I don't mean mutant like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Mutant is the other side of wild type. It's an important part of genetics. A lot of times the word mutant has uh, negative connotations. Uh, and and uh, so, so much so that some uh, laboratory geneticists, instead of using the phrase mutant and wild type uh, or the terms mutant and wild type, they say mutant and non-mutant. Uh, and and uh, that's useful often in the laboratory, but for natural populations and domestic animals, I think it, it's more useful instead of mutant and uh, wild type or mutant and non-mutant to, to use the terms ancestral and derivative. Uh, and that basically reflects the fact that 
the DNA sequence was uh, one version, the ancestral version, and then there was a change, and that was the derivative version. Uh, and so in the case of uh, all equids, the ancestral version was the done version. And the derivative version, most domesticated horses that are basically just one color, that's the derivative version. And here's where we really get down into the genetics of horse stripes. When we started this project, we knew nothing. We didn't even know uh, what it was that made the uh, made the, the the dark hairs dark and the the light hairs light? Uh, we did know that uh, if you again, like in a in a zebra, if you shave an animal, that it's dark all over. Uh, but with uh, with uh, the done horse, we really didn't know. And so, one of the very first things we did was uh, wasn't a genetic uh, uh, experiment. Uh, it was a, a microscopic one, and that was just to look at the uh, the light hairs, which cover most of the body in a dun horse, and the dark hairs, like from the, the dark stripe down the back, and, si- and ask what was different about it. And it turned out that in, uh, in the hairs from the dark part of a dun horse, like the stripe that runs down the back, uh, there is uh, pigment, little little bits of melanin, melanin granules, uh, distributed throughout the entire hair. Uh, but in the light areas, most of the coat of uh, of a dun horse, the pigment is only on one side of the hair. And by one side, what I mean is, if you think about a hair that is uh, really long. Uh, then uh, it was only on the part of the hair that faced outward, not on the inner part of the hair that, say, touched the animal's skin. So seeing half of the hair being colored was something that was entirely new. As far as we knew, uh, nobody had really ever described that kind of pattern. So if you look at, you know, human hairs or dog hairs uh, or cat hairs uh, or most kinds of hairs under a microscope, nobody had ever seen, well, why, you know, half of the hair being colored, that seemed pretty strange to us. This wasn't just, okay, me and my scientists in my lab. This is a worldwide collaboration to get to the bottom of this. Tell me a little bit about how that comes together. Sure. This was a collaboration with a colleague, an outstanding scientist at the University of Uppsala, Leif Anderson, and a graduate student in his lab, uh, Freya Imsland. Uh, Freya uh, is from Iceland and loves Icelandic horses, and it turns out that there is a, a wonderful diversity of horse colors uh, in Icelandic horses, including uh, the dun pattern. Um, and in our research group, uh, the work was led by a senior scientist, Kelly McGowan. And there's actually kind of an interesting story here because when the horse genome was sequenced, uh, they took it from, what kind of horse do you think? Oh, a dun horse? Uh, No. Non-dun horse. Because Because non-dun horses are more frequent, right? So the horse genome uh, was based on a non-dun horse. Uh, And it turns out that the dun horse has an extra 1,000 base pairs. Actually, it's a little more. It's about, you know, 1,600, 1,600 base pairs. The dun horse has 1,600 base pairs that's not present in the the non-dun horse. Those 1,600 extra base pairs that the dun horse has, what do they do? Right. So it turns out that 1,600 base pairs is what we call non-coding DNA. And when we say coding and non-coding, what we're talking about is the DNA that gives rise to the proteins, right? So remember that, uh, you know, it's the proteins that really are the building blocks of all cells. uh, And uh, it also turns out that 
only a very small fraction, maybe 1% or 2% of the 3 billion base pairs in any mammalian genome actually codes for protein. So most of the uh, base pairs uh, in any mammalian genome, horses and humans, is non-coding. And the 1,600 base pairs that is missing from the non-done horse that was lost during domestication is in fact non-coding. So most of the DNA is non-coding. And what Kelly McGowan, a senior scientist in our lab, and Freya, uh, the graduate student in Leif's lab, figured out together was that this 1,600 base pairs of non-coding DNA was important for the place in which the hair is light. This uh, 1,600 base pairs is required for expression of uh, a transcription factor called TBX3. And when that TBX3 is expressed in that half of the hair, it basically tells the hair to lose the pigment in the half that's close to the skin. So 1,600 base pairs normally in dun horses and zebras and asses and donkeys, they all have that 1,600 base pairs. And that says, okay, in areas that are going to be light colored, whether it's the light part of the coat or the white stripe on a zebra, it says, okay, here we're going to express TBX3 and TBX3 is going to say, okay, no pigment here. Now, in the non-done horse, in the area, in, in the, the horse that's completely, say, dark all over, that 1,600 base pairs is gone. TBX3 is no longer expressed there, and so that allows the pigment to fill up the entire hair, and that's what makes the hair black, and what that's why uh, uh, non-done horses, most domesticated horses, are sort of one big dark stripe. I, I just have kind of a philosophical question for you to wrap this one up. Uh, when you're out in nature, if you drive by a field with horses in it, or, or when you see a picture of a zebra, does it change the way that you see those animals, like uh, the way you think about them, to know uh, how complicated they are on the most minute level, to have studied them uh, down to the grain of a single hair? Boy, that's that's really a great question. And yeah, when I, you know, drive by, uh, you know, uh, a field and see a horse or when I, you know, go home and see my dog. Uh, yeah, I, I think about them a little bit differently, but I, I don't think about them so much as, oh yeah, well, that's what the hairs are made of, or that's what the DNA sequence difference is. I think about, wow, what do these animals have to tell us about life and biology? Because what we really want is to know the story of the world around us. We want legends, but also truth. Again, thank you for joining us for this tiny expedition into the world of striped equids. All this season, we'll tackle fascinating stories of morphology, the genetics that give life its incredible diversity. Tiny Expeditions is a podcast about genetics, DNA, and inheritance from the Hudson Alpha Institute for Biotechnology. We're a nonprofit research institution in Huntsville, Alabama, and we've got a campus full of scientists doing public research alongside companies developing products and services, all with one aim, to translate genomic discoveries into real-world applications that make for a healthier, more sustainable world. That's everything from cancer research to agriculture for a changing climate. If it's work you find worthwhile, just do us a small favor. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. Tell someone that you listen to this interesting little story about genetics. Help them find our podcast. Knowledge is better when you share it. Thanks for joining us. On the next Tiny Expedition, 
What's a spot to a stripe? The two actually function much differently on the microscopic level. We'll explore the important questions these patterns can answer about development, including for humans. Also, if you want to see pictures that go with the episode you just heard, check out tinyexpeditions.org. And for Tiny Expeditions, I'm David Kumbrock. Talk to you soon. Hudson Alpha.